Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Bond. One James Bond. One Fortnightly Discussion Comics and Nerd Culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 262. The, the palindrome episodes are always my favorite. Are they? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's palindrome when it's, not, when it's a number. Yeah, you always, you always say that. That's why it's my favorite. We're going to get an answer to this riddle. Are you are you Googling it? doesn't matter. Do you think facts are going to stop me from saying things? Ooh. Yeah. It is. It, uh, it can't. I'm like 35% of America. <laughs> it is actually. You're not wrong necessarily. It's. They. they I think they, they, there's the different ways, but you can call it a palindromic, palindromic number. So. Cool. I think it works just as. That sounds even crazier. I like it. Okay. The palindromatic, what word are you saying? Palindromic. Palindromic sounds futury. I like it. You know what else I like? Comic books. I mean, I like some of them. Yeah, that's fair. I don't like all of them. That's that's definitely true of me. That's a a, a bridge too far. Hi, Mm. how are you guys doing out there? Uh... They're fabulous. I heard Fa- it. Good. I hope you guys are safe, doing well. Uh, we are going to be discussing some James Bond later on in Nerdboy Book Club. We're going to talk about violence and spies, and I think that suits maybe, maybe suits and guns. We'll probably talk mm-hmm. about guns. That's probably there's a lot not of... spoiling the line of your suit. It's important. Mm-hmm. It is to be a dandy. Mm-hmm. Murder people. <laughs> yeah, lots, lots, lots of murder. Uh, before that, though, we have. Comic books that came out the past couple weeks to talk about. It's time for first segment. It's time for Lobby's Fortnightly. Lobby's Fortnightly is the part show where Eric and I will read a selection of the past couple weeks' books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. As a much meter goes from one to five. Uh, we still do not have any major publishers, but they are on the horizon. They have announced uh, their books again. I don't seem still very optimistic to sh- ship them to comic book stores. Who's going to comic book stores? Yeah. I mean, I want comic book stores to stay in business, but I don't think this is going to solve that. Solve that. Shipping them comic books. Um, no. But for that, we got a bunch of indie books, uh, varying degrees. Some are small publishers, some are indie publishers, some are self-published, I assume. Uh, our first book is how, great. Is this just great? Do I just say great, Eric? I think you're supposed to say GR8. GR8 because it was a it was an acronym. Okay, GR8 number one, uh, written by Stephen Tramontana, art David Pentecost, Juan M. Rodriguez on colors. This is like if Kirk was a little kid. That's what this reminded me of. <laughs> That's funny. Like when he ran away from the cop and drove a car off a cliff or whatever, and the shit happened in that movie. I mean, if we want to talk about alternate timelines, but sure. 
both Kirks, either Kirk, either Shatner Kirk or what David Kirk, Chris Pine, Chris Pine Kirk. Mm-hmm. They're either Kirk. This reminds me, yes, of this little Dennis the Menace looking kid who's like, oh, simulations that don't apply to me. I just want to have fun in space and do adventures and stuff. Get in some trouble on this big spaceship. Uh, what do you think? I'm okay with it. It's It's got some things that kind of rub me the wrong way a little bit. And like what? It doesn't, I'm trying to, it's, it's hard. It's something about the tone and the way that the characters are introduced. And I don't feel terribly immersed in what's going on. A lot of it just sort of feels like it's just leaning on character and genre tropes, but none of it is like particularly bad or unpalatable. I just, I don't know. I'm hesitant to say bland, but maybe it's it could stand to be baked a little bit more. It, it is it has got some strength to it, and like I think that the art's serviceable, and the story's serviceable, and the characters are serviceable. I mean it it's not it 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 manages to introduce characters, set stakes, get in, and get out. So there's definite worst first issues that I've read. I think the my my main criticism would be that some of the dialogue is a little clunky at times. Um, Just I think it's mostly with the adults that I notice it more. Um, it's not like terrible or anything. It's just a, a little awkward. It feels like there. It's it feels like it. I mean, I, I think there is a certain choice where you have to go with brevity because you want it to be short. It's a comic book. You don't want to cover your mm. art with words and i think sometimes the brevity might have cut a little bit of the subtlety out of it um i still would probably err on the side of brevity anyway um but the the art reminds me of um a little bit of jeff Meyer. jeff, jeff yeah jeff I, can, I can see that jeff Meyer paints paints this stuff but still it the, the figures and stuff it reminds me of jeff Meyer, especially the kid uh he definitely looks just like a jeff Meyer character yeah um now that that's not bad to me. I like Jeff Lemire's art, um, for the most part. Uh, I and I I like ge- general and general don't. You, you don't well, yeah. Have we have we actually read a? Feels like we've read a Jeff Lemire book, but maybe not a. We have, haven't we done a book club for a Jeff Lemire book? When he's drawn the only one because he he did um, Black Hammer. Oh, what was the what was the robot kid story? Descender. Des- Descender sounds right. We read Descender. We read Black Hammer. I don't think that's he, correct. We didn't. Did he draw either of those? No, okay. we would have to read something like Sweet Tooth or something. Or uh, underwater, which we should do eventually. But... Underwater welder. That's another one. I like underwater welder a lot. Have you you've read that already? Yes. Um, I'm a I'm a buy in this. Maybe a little mushy, like Mushmoonier too. I like it. I can see eye to eye with that. I think it's it's worth uh, it's worth recommending. All right, that's a double buy with a Mushmoonier of two for a great GR eight. Number one, this book is great. <laughs> you think you could, what if you just named all your books just like uh, adjectives? Yeah. And you're just like, this book's good. Mm-hmm. This book's spectacular. Spectacular number one. That's why they That's why they called it the amazing Spider-Man and spectacular Spider-Man. It's the first word out of your mouth is that it's spectacular. I mean, Stan Lee, he's a better, I, he's a better marketer than he is a writer. He's more hype than four hype men. Mm-hmm. Uh, next book is Tickets to Terror, number one, 
Written by Peter J. Bartels, art Christopher Kulicelli, letters Reinhard Buhazan, colors Christy Paraha. This is a EC Comics-esque book. Yeah. There's a, a Crypt Keeper analog with a the, the, the conductor giving you tickets to terror. And we get a... This clearly, this definitely, the story definitely follows the scumbags doing scumbag stuff and then horror elements get introduced and everyone everyone dies at the end <laughs> anyone that's left i guess um what do you think eric you for it or you i don't think you don't like ec comics do you um i mean i'm not wild about this i like the idea of ec comics and a lot of the people that worked in ec comics are some of my favorite artists of that generation you know i i own some collections i just don't read them because i just just i don't know tonally the story matter it just doesn't doesn't really work for me it's just a kind of horror and tone that i don't care for i don't know it's just it is my thing and it's not my thing it's hard to explain like i would i would like this book if wally wood was drawing it well i mean (laughs) yeah if Hollywood was drawing anything, it's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the story is. Honestly, you're just like, oh, well, no, that's that's Wally exactly right. Um, yeah, I think this is it's like fine to me. I think the art, it, it the the it's the it, the a lot of the panels suffer that like there's nothing going on in the backgrounds. You know, there's just color gradients filling, mm-hmm. filling in backgrounds and stuff a lot of the time. So that these a lot of these scenes feel like they're just taking place in voids. That's large, That's probably my biggest complaint, honestly. Like, I don't mind the story. I think it's a little, a little too complicated for what it is. Like, you get simplified a little bit. But you know, a lot of these scenes were just like, oh, there's an office, but all you see in the background is like purple. You know, there's, there's no. There's frequently purple behind me, <laughs> or yellow, or green, or red, or you know, different. And then, like, you know, I, I, I would like to. The settings setting is important. You need to you need to immerse your your audience, immerse your reader in where you are. Put and I think it's important in horror books in particular, horror stories in particular. the The setting is another character a lot of the time. You need to you need to have a setting that is filthy, like EC Comics in particular, and you know Tales from the Crypt. Even in the television show, the settings give a lot of that flavor, a lot of that you know the 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 tongue in cheek campiness that came through especially in the television show and some of and a lot of EC comic revivals or attempts to mimic it. You know, it's very campy. It's very cheesy. It's very corny and it and it like indulges in all that stuff. But you have to really go for it. You know, you have to that that setting in the locations are just as important as the characters in a lot of cases. And, you know, I I wanna see a I want to see this, the grimy pawn shop. I want to see all the crap on the walls, you know? I want to see the... Crazy the... crap on the walls. <laughs> Street signs? Indoors? <laughs> Allig- okay. Alligators wearing sunglasses. <sighs> I don't know. I, 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 I like this despite myself. I mean, I just like that. I like... Right. But corny it's, horror. It is. It is not that bad, you know. I've I have read worse comics in my day. I I for 
to to some extent, I did enjoy my time with it for sure. I wish I wish it was a little bit more violent too. I w- I wanted more bloodshed. It kind of needs like more of everything, you know, yeah. like the art and the setting. And it, it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were paying this poor guy like twenty dollars a page. Who knows? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, they're I'm Eric. I'm gonna I I'm guessing some of this some of these books we read. The artist got paid zero dollars a page. Yes, and, of course. Yeah. And that's that's that you know you could only be so harsh about it, but like the 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 art doesn't tell the story badly, no. But like it should also be going further to create mood and atmosphere and give me feelings about what's going on, and it's just sort of just showing me things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's doing it's it's doing a relatively good job of telling me what's going on in the panel with the art in the panel but you know some some pages and panels are more successful than others i think they just i don't know they did their best there there's some aspects to the art and the color which i think were two separate people they are yes yeah i mean i they're a little they're a little underdone as well i think they just Nothing is bad, but it's um it could stand to go further, you know, in a lot of in a lot of areas. I think I could even live with um not a lot of background material and stuff like that if the foreground characters and all of it felt better and more dramatic. Like I'm looking at page what is this? Oh, what the hell's the number? 23 towards the end mm-hmm. there's a top panel that i think where the shadows and lighting are very effective the red panel and i think like that communicates really well when the bottom panel sure it shows the action but there's no mood from it and i think you can pull off an empty panel if there's if you still get a lot of feeling from it mm-hmm. so i don't know I think my body is mushy. Like this is like cheesy horror, whatever that I mm-hmm. particularly enjoy. It's also ninety nine cents. Most of these books are. I don't think any of these books are more than two dollars. So I'm also way more likely to recommend something if it's only a dollar and it's interesting and has some fun stuff in it. So I feel like they needed to get to the monster at the end sooner. Yes, I agree with you there too. It looks really cool. It it makes me think of Parasite. It needs to get. I mean, yeah. and also Cronenberg crazy crap. Yeah, it needs to get to like. I, I feel like you should be triggered. The monster, be, you should pull the trigger on the monster like three quarters of the way through, and then let it go crazy. Mm-hmm. Let it eat. But like, you, I mean, yeah, but you, I, mean, I don't know. You work with the script that you have. It's... Yes, that's fair. Um, I mean, it's just. It's, I'm not really criticizing the artist. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm like Mush Meter Four. I think I'm gonna buy Mush Meter Four. Four was exactly the number I was gonna reach for. Okay. Uh. You and me, Kismet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's double buy tickets to Terror number one, Mushmeter four. Next book up is The Wolf and the Crow, number one, written by Dan Gordon, art and letters by Ismail Hernandez. This is from this is from Action Lab, and so this is this is the probably the biggest publisher. They do digital only anyway, so they are well suited for our current climate. Um, but like this book's really pretty. It looks very good. It's like a clean of the cave bear type story. You know? I've never seen that, nor 
read it. Apparently, it's, the book is just one wall to wall fucking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I'm just using it as general conceit of like, oh, you're like yes. like prehistoric cavemen, a pack, a clan, and you're following inner politics of them and all that stuff. Um, and I, I don't know this. That's if, if for what this is, it's really well executed. It is. You know, following all this this clan, it's inner politics. There's these, you know, all these different cast members of the clan of the hunters. The power struggle in between them. There's it really successfully introduces like a lot of conflict in varying levels of conflict. Like, oh, one outer conflict they need to eat, they need to find food. Conflict between them and this weird ominous saber tooth tiger hunter guy who's hovering around somewhere outside their area you have conflict of the power political power power uh, conflict with the power struggle between the leaders for the leadership of this clan you have conflict with uh just people inside the clan being you know doing dirty stuff being evil more or less being corrupted and all the while introducing their basically their lives i think it does a, a an effective job at building the world for the book without being like just dumps of of info all the time it's very much it it's communicated really well i think Mm -hmm. there's there's definitely more good than bad i um what's your problems i just kind of feel like it it the through line is maybe not as clean as i would want it to be you know it it it's it feels like it shifts gears and changes settings and like we have this guy who's going after the chief and then this guy's going after it and they're hunting mastodon and then they're hunting elk and and i feel like the story could stand to be a lot tidier like it kind of i'm tr- i was trying to find where this skinny guy that murders the dude later was introduced and it looks like right before when he murders the guy well i mean they he is see him in you don't see him you only see him pick up a berry you see like his he's following the 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 mother and the little kid and they discard that poisonous berry and you see like someone follow them and mm-hmm. pick it up so he's like you know that there is someone that is purposefully like grabbing poison you just don't know who, and then it's revealed that it's yeah. this guy. I get that it was tied into that part of the story, but it's weird that it's just his hand. I it just feels like to me not tidy enough. Well, I to me it, it, it's like everything looks good, but there's parts of it where I think like it's. I don't know. It's it's I feel like it could have used another draft or two. I'm, it feels it feels like an awful lot. Well, here's my suspicion, Eric, because I do most I do tend to agree with that there is too much of it. Like there's too much happening in this one book. I think you could mm-hmm. slow it down and draw it back out. But my guess is that this is been this story has been given six issues or something. Yeah. And so instead of trying there's, to right remove stuff it's like here let's just try and fit it all in let's try and mush it together i think that i think it would still be i think you could i mean do you really need to tell 
a story about like all the like a friggin' Game of Thrones story about all these people coming after the same dude mm. in one issue. Like I think you could still do more with doing less. You know, I, there's there's nothing really wrong with this, and I think that of everything that we've read this week, this one is the one I'm the most excited to buy and read because I think it's beautiful and I do enjoy uh, these kind of primitive human stories. Like I like Joe Kubert's tour and I like Primal, uh, Gindy Tartakovsky's Primal. Um, I think they're fantastic and I think this is awesome. I just think that, I think it could be better, but it's still... It's still nice. I don't really have any, um, I don't have any mush at all in recommending it. I think it's, I think it's a good book. Yeah, I'm a buy. I, yeah. on the strength of the art sure. alone, honestly, I would just say it's a buy. Um, it's, but. it's really, it's really neat art. Um, I was really, really delighted looking through it. Yeah. The painting, the paintings are good. The facial expressions are good. Like, I don't, the, it has giant, it has big mastodon and saber tooth tiger in there and wolves. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, whatever. What else do I need? This last, this last page actually reminds me of Daniel Warren Johnson a little bit. What, Mr. Uh, Skull Man and Tiger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just watch him go watch. The saber tooth tiger with a mohawk. Saber tooth tigers, surprising no one, Eric, was my favorite prehistoric animal. Oh, yeah. As a child, I loved sa- the idea of saber tooth tigers. I guess that does add up. They were the coolest thing in the whole world. <laughs> that's, I don't think that should be news to anyone. Uh, I'm a buy on the wolf and the crow. Uh, number one. So is Eric's double buy. Um, next up. Okay. No, of course. This is the perfect time. Everything will betray us. It's okay. <laughs> um, next up is Space is Awful. Number one. Written by Derek Moreland. Art and lettering by Derek Fleece. So Derek and Derek. It's a it's a double double Derek, uh huh, the double Derek duo. Um, the story of John Dennis, whose name is not actually John Dennis, but this there's a little there's some galaxy question here. There's some I don't know. There's a lot of this. Is, seems like this has been a very popular idea lately of the people taking the like oh non. You know, just a normal guy and sending him out into space and chaos happens. You know, there's um, in manga, in anime, mm-hmm. there's a, a whole genre of people that are displaced from their time or they die and they're reincarnated and they end up in a fantasy setting where their knowledge of like being a nerd and fantasy games like gives them like an advantage in the world it's called isekai i think we need to come up with some some genre uh some genre title for for the for galaxy quest maybe it's just maybe that's what it is i don't know i like this though this is fun it's it's fine i i uh i i I take some enjoyment from it it's certainly very stupid and it makes me smile yeah i mean that's yeah i think that's what it's what it's going for it's going for like look at this idiot yeah. and watch him fight these dumb monsters in outer space while King and Kodos give them magic powers. It's not actually King and Kodos, but you know they're very Kang and Kodos. There's a pair of tentacle aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, 
give some poor janitor magic powers then he has to fight <laughs> like uh, some metal metal i do like all the puns from the metal the metal robot the slicer robot whatever it is it's, at the it's end. a lot of puns oh i see how it is if an alien's making puns you like them i mean yeah that's yes fictional characters are, are it's a different thing than you attacking me literally <laughs> assaulting me I'm still Eric. I don't still, you know all I just, that assault's bad for your diet. Go to. I hate you. Um, <laughs> I just. I was about to tell you that I still like every once a day. I still think about that stupid bad seeds pun you made, and it hurts me. <laughs> I have like PTSD, PTSD from that pun. It was so terrible. Mm, a pun traumatic stress disorder. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I like this. I think it looks good. Uh, the, the black and white works on this. Um, I think it looks fine. It's not. It's not my favorite art, but it's it's serviceable. It does not look bad. I think. I. I mean. I. I think it's strong enough that there are some people that would really enjoy it. It just isn't super duper like my my flavor of comic. But it's it's fine. It's good. I like it's, the, it's serviceable. I like this wet sack that is the referee for these fights. It's like just like a he's like a trash bag filled with goop with eyeballs and a referee shirt on. I'm trying to find him. There he is. Yeah, I do. I really like him. This wet sack. That's <laughs> congratulations to this winner. He's just this slug potato man. He's just a he's just a sack of nothing. He's a referee. I don't know. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's full of like really dumb puns, and it's you know it has a it's a gladiator arenas in space with this ref, this janitor giving special powers, whatever. Um, I like it. I'm a buy. No, no, uh, <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is one of the better ones. I like it. Uh, that's a double buy on space is awful. Next up and lastly, our book is Hexall, Jim Duggan, number one. Uh, written by John E. Crowther, art Rich Perota, colors Vito Potenza, letters Jason Kretzer, editor designer Kevin Laporte. Hey, I don't know what to th I don't know what to think of this. Eric, here, here's what I'm going to say. I love Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, I do too. We we met him together. I remember. We did. Mm -hmm. We met. We we did, we all did a hoe together, didn't we? We did. It was great. Yeah, it was, was a pretty a good day. That was a fantastic, fantastic. Uh, um, it was Miami Supercon. It was the first one we went to, I think. Yeah, when it was in the small area before they went up to the big, yep. to the to the big convention center. Uh, that was a good interaction. That was a fun time meeting Hacksaw Jim Duggan. His he had torn his meniscus, I think, <laughs> so he couldn't. He had to raise his own arm with his other arm just to shake our oh, hands. God. I don't remember that too well. He had torn his. He was in some indie show. He had torn his meniscus, so he couldn't raise his own right arm he had to use his left arm to raise his right arm to shake our hands and he's but he did it because he's goddamn hacksaw jim duggan um i don't he, de he deserves a better comic book that's what i'm gonna say this is this well this feels like it was written by hank hill <laughs> do you get what i'm saying yes yes i do that that like every panel was and then i was a good boy and then this happened like there's 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 zero stakes or conflict and yeah it's trying to tell tell this 
the the story of Duggan in a flattering light, but it it really does like it 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 feels it feels absolutely like a story told by Hank Hill, and the the where the where the punchline is he's telling us oh god it, I it just it needed to like yeah it needs to focus in on I I don't I think this like a biographical comic is not it needs to either spice up the stuff that we are seeing or just cut it out entirely like i you don't need to like i don't know how much of this is like them deciding what of hacksaw's life to tell or him going like i want this in my story please put in put include all of this i don't i'm guessing he had they he just he they just are taking from his his story notes i don't think they're gonna like i i highly doubt hacksaw jim duggan's like leaning over them saying make sure you include that i tried out for the falcons and i didn't make it so there's there's one moment in this which like it was like a window into what i want and that's them zooming out in him as a baby and him as a baby going oh yeah no i i that definitely made me smile. That's what I want. Like, give me all, just, like, I don't, does this need to be, like, super serious, like, very somber? And then I got an entry. That whole page, it's got him, like, holding up a Flintstone stake like it's a flag. Uh, give give me that. That's, I feel like the comic about, about Hacksaw Jim Duggan should at least be as stupid as his character. Yeah, exactly. I want, I want, give me Jim Duggan telling me this story in character. Mm -hmm. Give me Jim Duggan recounting this like, yeah, and then I was born and then I said, oh, and then I fought for stakes with my father because we were the only men in the house. So we rolled around on the ground like animals to fight for stakes. And as as a three-year-old, I beat my own dad in a wrestling match. Like, come on. I want that. I feel like I, that's that's exactly the tone I would want from my hacksaw, Jim Duggan. And maybe comic don't book. include Joe Paterno in your comic book. I was going to say fucking Joe Paterno, man. Like, don't maybe. And, 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 and it's not like this book came out 20 years ago. The, the, when was the publisher day? This is this is recent, right? This is this week. Last week. Mm hmm. I mean, I I assume I don't unless someone should have told them. <laughs> unless this is like them digitizing something that's been out in print for a long time. I guess that's, that's not the only possible. It's the only th- possibility I could imagine. And it's certainly possible, but even so, like maybe just cut out that page or something, or like fill it in, do something like cut out that panel. Think figure something biggest, out it's the biggest panel on that page i think it, like, yeah I don't know. hey look this is something this dude that protected a, a child molester for decades maybe we not include him on your <sighs> um yeah it's just dry this thing is just so dry which is the opposite of hacksaw jim duggan i'm we met him he is like we talked to him for maybe five minutes and all five minutes were like inc- he was incredible he's He's a professional wrestler. All of them are incredibly charismatic people. Mm-hmm. They make their living on convincing people to either love them or hate them. And this just makes me go, oh, okay, stuff happened. 
I so like, you know what the you know the the only answer is this comic needs to have a heel turn. Um, I don't know. I Hacksaw Jim Duggan deserves a better comic book, Eric. Um, I don't want to be mean. We're trying not to be. I mean. don't want to be mean either because it is uh it is a an indie comic about one of my favorite wrestlers of his generation. Um, he carried a two by four to the ring. And an American flag. Yelled how like he did both. He did. At the same time a bunch of times. He did. Yeah. And that's definitely some shit that I ate up um, in those days. I I never stopped eating it up. There was never a t- moment in my life where I was like, oh, Hacksaw's not cool anymore. I was just like, go, f- <laughs> go for listen, it, Hacksaw. L- listen to him talk politics for two minutes. You'll, oh, well. You'll, you'll definitely think that. That's literally. That's why I want them to all just shut the fuck that's up. That's literally every wrestler that. that yeah, was... no, well, it is about, it is probably about 70, 80 percent of them. Yes, yeah, so everyone except for uh, uh, David Starr. <laughs> But then I've, David Starr I've, and Zack Sabre I've, Jr. And I've, then, I've heard David Starr say some shit that makes me mad. Well, so I mean, he's yes. I think at this point, I don't care about other people's politics. I think I'll just say I like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I like him, too. I like him as I guess I like him as a professional wrestler. I don't as a person, whatever. I don't know. Eh, I'm sure as a person, he's lovely. But I think that a lot of people don't like understand a lot of the world and no no they don't care if people they don't understand or also you know, professional wrestlers generally not brain geniuses you know you take enough you take enough chair shots to the head your 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 days of doing differential calculus are over that'll do it for floppies this week we all do you have more next week we might i don't know marvel dc will be back eventually well whenever they are we'll read those again uh, at least maybe like I wasn't there some I keep seeing artists artist memes people are like oh man at least the artists get to rest I'm like all the artists are like we're not resting we're trying to catch up with yeah. our, catch up on our books <laughs> we're not taking <laughs> a break go, I can go weeks without eating when I'm not making art Uh, we can move on to our next segment it is time for checking in Checking in is the power show. Where can I talk about what we've been up to for the past couple of weeks? Um, mostly what we've been watching and playing for the, now that we can't really go anywhere. Um, Eric, what's going on? Why don't you tell me about your uh, your new manuscript, and then we can oh okay talk about Doom. Oh okay, uh, I finished a rough draft. I finished a, a manuscript. I I had set a a uh a self-imposed deadline of finishing it in April and I was succeeded. Congratulations. Uh, um it's <laughs> okay, stop me. How many words and do you want to oh, do you oh, want to give like, us a preview about the uh, story? It's like 65,000 words, which is roughly average to what I write. I don't write long novels or yeah. short novels. Still, still pretty pretty fair amount of words. Um, sixty-five thousand words ish. You don't it, have to. You don't have to write War and Peace. I don't you know, want to write, write fucking Moby Dick. I have no desire. I, I think that that is a a, a right size novel for the year twenty twenty. Yeah, I, shit, I, thirty thousand words might be. Oh, what have, so should I write a novella? Uh, a no, a novelette even. 
Just keep making up words. Novelette is not a made up word, unfortunately. That is a real I know thing. It's, not. it's terrible. I'm just, I, just <laughs> people are just so stupid. Novelette. It, it upsets me tremendously. Um, it's, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. It's, a. Uh, I really, what I wanted to write was some Akira shit. That is really my, des- what was my desire. I just wanted to I'm write. I'm upset that you just did not, that, like, that should be the title, some Akira shit. Some Akira shit. Where I just wanted people mutating into giant weird ass cronenberg monsters and then people people firing fucking laser rifles at them oh yeah i wanted that to happen and so i wrote a book in which that stuff can happen Uh, that's not you stop drilling and oil and eric the antagonist of the novel is the richest man on earth just like in real life just like in real life (laughs) exactly I need some polish. I need some work. I'll look at it in like six months or something whenever I get to it. But I like it. For I feel me. like that's that's a, that's a good cycle. Yeah, I'll look at it whenever whenever I decide I want to publish it. Maybe who knows? I, I I'm that's honestly what I'm doing is trying to build up a lot of a lot of finished rough drafts that I can then pick and choose from and feel like I want. I can do this one now or this one now or whatever. It is good, I think, to have multiple projects to be able to bounce back and forth. I think I feel like you're you can be more productive when you don't have to just work on one thing and until it's done that you can bring up multiple things together, you know, and bounce back and forth and give your brain a break and still be productive. Yeah, and it helps me be more objective at at when I revise things i could go like i don't remember writing it like it happened six months ago i don't remember writing this it's a new novel to me why the fuck did i put this in there that's stupid let's take that out oh this is great oh past robbie you were brilliant i don't know what you were on that day but good job (laughs) um doom eternal is a fun video game yeah it is i i started a new a new um game slot and I'm playing it in uh, ultra violence now. I played it in sort of regular mode before. I mean, it's got I'm, everything. Yeah, I'm gonna hurt me plenty. It's still difficult. <laughs> it's, it's oh, it's hard at first, yeah. But once you kind of understand what the game's doing, and like I know the maps very well, and it is it is definitely more challenging. Um, but you know, I still have a stockpile of several lives. But I mean, I know where everything is now um i'm i don't know how far i am i think i'm like halfway or something um i've i've played you i'm trying to i I haven't seen any i'm I'm fighting the super gore nest is where i'm at um oh you're like a third okay um of the way through you're you're uh, you're almost exactly where i am i i'm just before the super gore nest in my replay i'm just taking my time with it and having fun I'm not really yeah. like I'm just like it's it's really stupid. I think I text I messaged you that. It's you a messaged me several times because there really are some moments that are just like particularly I think like it gets less dumb later in the game because the really stupid shit is kind of the groundwork for the story in this one and it really is dumb. It really is just just oh god, this is so stupid. And it but, doesn't and it does not I think I can, I I feel like I'm split in twain about this because part of me appreciates how they don't explain any of this. 
They're just mm. like, no, no, you're in a floating, you're in a floating space fortress. It's made out of stone. It has a lot of stuff that's very unique to you because you're some mythical figure. But then you're also like going hunting down hell priests, and there's a betra- some betrayer guy has some MacGuffin. There's also angels that are also made of like their mecha, like mecha angels is what I'm guessing. That's all I don't know. They're also demons, and you're like the angel, and they're not actually demons as far as i can tell they're like just like some alien that are that are super metal and just like fucking like made technology made out of skulls and lava um i mean demons i guess i don't know demons are demons they're they're from hell but hell's a different dimension it's not necessarily like christian hell um that's i mean that's fair but there probably is no christian hell in the doom world hell is hell is the only hell it's it's demons where it's there's demons all the way down and yeah yeah there, there's monsters and hooved things that torture people and turn them into well i don't want to i don't want to spoil the quote-unquote story <laughs> the story i think the only thing i i wish the story had a little bit more of the self-awareness a little bit of the doom yeah. i think i think that's what a lot of complaints are and i think i understand it a little bit better now that i played it a little bit i still love the game i still think it's a lot of fun i'm gonna finish it uh, I don't know if I'm going to go full Eric Goodnight and get 100% achievements, all that shit, but... I can't tell you why. I, mean, I definitely am not getting... A, there are a, I'm looking... I have a lot of locked achievements, okay. and I will probably never get a lot of them. But, like, I got the gun completionist, which is a lot of... It's a, it's a lot of fucking playing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I got all the collectibles in my first... But it's a lot easier getting them in one playthrough rather than doing it over and over but still i I think it's it's the i just want the doom guy to be a little bit more a little bit more flippant a little bit like the whole Mm -hmm. thing about that first in 2016 doom is him just like like every time someone presents like here is plot here's story you should care about this shit he's he's like like, fuck it who cares i'm killing demons i don't got time for your stupid shit about Argent, who cares about Argent Energy? I'm just here to kill demons. Get this fuck, get this shit out of my way. Um, well, Argent Energy powers the BFG, so he cares a lot. Fair enough. Uh, it just seems like very much like I just wanted Doom Guy to be a little bit more of a little bit more of that energy. And I think when you don't, when you pre- present me with all this lore and treat it very seriously, you don't have mm. the other half of that equation where the Doom Guy is like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I think it makes it a little. It makes it that silliness that I think some people it's it's throwing people off. Yeah, the the that was what I said when um we talked about it the first time that I think that in a lot of ways in terms of game design and just like kind of what this game is like on a game level, if that retarded sentence makes any sense, um. Like, I think that Doom Eternal is the better game, but the tone, a lot of the feel of uh, Doom 2016, I think, is superior. I also, I don't know, it was a this big controversy where um, someone wrote this thread about what's different and wrong about the music in Doom uh, Eternal. And it is, it does noticeably not sound... I don't want to say it's good, but it's it feels flat. Well, I mean, I don't. Have you heard from 
Mick Gordon about that at all? Have you heard that? Well, I mean, scene of course, him? that's what I was saying. Okay. Is the, he replied to the thread and it became like friggin' national news, you know? I mean, and he, video he's talking circles. about like not coming back and working with it anymore. He's so upset. I mean, they just, they aren't letting him remaster all the tracks. So mm-hmm. it's, they, I assume, I don't know why, like, I still listen to the Dune 2016 soundtrack all the time. It's good. It's great. I want it on vinyl, and it's unavailable because they're probably printed 30 of those goddamn things or something um, from Mondo back then. But, you know, I I like McGordon. I like his other work, too, generally. I listen to a lot of McGordon soundtracks. I think they're good. Um, Video games are a cruel and terrible business, and... I, yeah. I don't know what who id or Bethesda who's who's in charge who wanted the music oh we need a soundtrack out now we need or we need you to do it, this and that and yeah it probably was a, a a timing issue or something like that you know that they they needed to, to to ship it by a certain date and he only had so much time to like you know to to arrange the tracks that he worked on and then they brought in some scabs and had it do them for him i'm sure that's what happened i because it needed to be fucking done i like i like the soundtrack and it's different than doom 2016 i like the fact that it's there's the it's it's more it's more choral there's more there's Mm. vocals and there's like the choral vocals there's chanting and stuff like that there's even like uh like death metal growls that are just like demon demon influenced death metal growls i'm assuming that are mixed in there and i like those touches but they it doesn't feel as complete like the doom 2016 soundtrack felt it it feels more it feels more generic in a yes. lot of ways too there's it, it it feels like here's a generic borderlands level that's that's this music there's i don't know there's it's i think it's telling it's i think it's telling that when I went to the first, the first um, key, the first challenge level, and Rip and Tear starts playing from the original soundtrack, or B- or maybe it's BFG Division. My, those are two bangers. Um, I was just like, yes, give me just you could. I mean, they could just put the the 2016 soundtrack on this thing again. I probably would have been completely fucking happy because it's so good. Um, I don't know. I still think like there's a. It's still really really the fact that they give you so many tools they the 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 maneuvering and the 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 air dashes and the double jumps and all that the maneuverability the slowing down time there's just so many and i'm not having unlocked everything yet and it's just it it, the, the bigger challenge right is for me is just remembering like i have these options oh yeah i have a flamethrower i can get armor when i need it oh i can I can use an ice bomb to freeze people for a bit so that I can, you know, kill some of the, the, the fodder that are, that is the, the biggest challenge is you have to like, you burn through I mean, they, they designed it this way on purpose that you have half the ammo for any one gun or a third of the ammo of any one gun that you need to do what you need to get through. So you need to cycle through all of them. You need to use your secondary and tertiary weapons and, jump around and use all your free actions and do all this stuff it's it it gets to be a lot that's the the main challenge of 
of this game is like, well, not only do I have uh, a grenade, but I have to my, I have to wait for it to recharge. So I need to change to my other grenade and freeze people. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it still is. The environments are really beautiful, really well designed. There's just so many, so much artistic choices throughout that in crazy huge sprawling yeah um big levels great you know a lot puzzles you know literally like there's there's puzzles in some of the levels basically and that that's it's it's different and it's more than doom 2016 in a lot of ways and it's a lot of fun um i'm gonna i'll finish it you know i'm still playing animal crossing but of course you need to need to play animal crossing Need to catch some bugs. I'm, I'm I'm getting pretty bored with it. I sent you something. I need to go check them. I sent you an item that you can put in your home and decorate your house so you can get a perfect score from the Happy Home Academy. Get a five star island, Eric. No, you I need, don't know anything about all that. You need to get a garden. You need to get your garden, your green, your green thumb going so you can get all the hybrid flowers. We got a blue rose. I I, I am so uninterested. You don't want a garden. I yeah. you don't want to guard it. Yeah. You don't want to catch. There's new bugs. There's a there's a new beat. There's new beetles in town because it's May. No more spiders. Now the scorpions. I'll take your science as enthusiasm. You ready to talk about some James Bond? Eric? Always. Always. Wow. Any time I could talk to you and just say, hey, "Let's talk about James Bond." You'd be down. I mean, I might ignore you, but you can just talk to me anytime you want. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerva Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part of the show Eric and I sign a lot of collect work discussing in depth like you would a book in a book club except it is a comic book uh, this week we are discussing James Bond volumes 1 and 2 by Warren Ellis and Jason Masters Varger and Eidolon are the two the keyword very Bondian keywords that are the titles for the two arcs this is this is the Ellis took the Ian Fleming novel James Bond as the influence on this, he's, he's said, for the most part, this is Ian Fleming's James Bond. This is not, you know, this is not movie James Bond. Even though the, who's the newest, well, I can't remember his name, Eric. I can never remember his name. The newest James Bond. What's his name? Uh, the only one that I can think of is Craig. Daniel Craig. That is who I'm thinking of. Daniel, Daniel Craig's James Bond is also closer to this, this interpretation of Bond, the original, the book bond um but he also of course modernized a lot of the stuff in that because uh the original bond is also incredibly racist and sexist um before we get eric i want to ask this before we get into these books specifically how do you feel about james bond in general neutral completely how many of them how many of them, how many of the movies have you seen zero really you've never seen any yes. bond movies Yes, not not completely. Wow. Yeah. Your your show's sheltered. What, did you grow up in a convent or something? Well, I mean, we've talked about this. Like I I don't know. My my dad would watch television for 8 to 12 hours a day and it was always what he wanted. So I, I've watched a lot of movies from the 40s. <laughs> I was I would like James Bond is but I mean like they exist. They yeah, were you would 60s. think you would have put a James Bond movie on. Yeah, Sean I mean, Connery. I think I'm going to correct you because there is one that I feel like I have seen, and I don't even remember who the Bond was. <laughs> like I have, 
the only thing I remember is one of the villains, like he was holding like a bag of diamonds or something, and an explosion happened. Oh, oh god! And the that's diamonds a, got embedded in his face. That's a, that's one of the worst ones. <laughs> I don't even remember which movie it was. That's the. I think that's Tomorrow Never Dies. That's a Pierce Brosnan. Uh, one of the latter Pierce Brosnan movies. Was it a Pierce Brosnan movie? Yes. I couldn't. I had no. I couldn't even tell you. It's I had bad. no memory of who it was. <laughs> I, I, the Golden Knot, is like, that the one where the girl's name is Christmas? Maybe I'm gonna. And he he fucking makes the joke. Christmas comes twice a year. He does or something he, like that. He, this year, Christmas comes twice or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I it was it was a a fucking double entendre on the word coming. Which I don't know. I'm surprised to see that in a in a fucking PG thirteen movie. It's not tomorrow never dies. It is. It is. Die. It's either. Let's see. World is not enough. Or <laughs> they all blend together. All, yeah, they they do. They're all the same. Um, I think it's. Uh, uh, oh god, damn it! Hey, Eric. Hi, man. How's it going? It's the worst. No, the diamonds here. I was wrong. The diamond one is Die Another Day, which is the last Pierce Brosnan movie. That's the one with Halle Berry in it. Um, but the one with Christmas Jones is The World Is Not Enough, the one previous to that. But both of those films are terrible. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of James Bond movies. I've seen a lot of the Sean Connery. I've seen a lot of the Pierce Brosnan I've seen. I've lost track of the Daniel Craig movies. I, um, I did not see any of the more. Or I think no, I saw Moonraker. I think and A View to a Kill. Maybe I don't know. Again, they lose. There's so many of them. I lose track of. Some people are obsessed with James Bond. Goldfinger's great. Uh, so is Goldeneye. There's they're they're fun in a, in some way in some regards. So I don't know. That's when I hear James Bond. Bond James Bond. I think of. The mostly, I honestly think of the modern kind of controversy of fact that we they just just cast British white men over and over and over again uh, until the heat death of the universe, and now the and now Bond movies are just action movies. They're not. They were never really. They were like proto action movies back in the day, and they had action scenes in them. But Sean Connery is not like he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like he's a he you know he charmed people and. Made double entendres. Um, I just wanted that. I wanted a baseline, Eric. Um, what did you think about this? Now that I know that you've seen only the one of the worst James Bond movies, <laughs> I might have even seen that in a theater. I can't. I don't even remember. I do not remember. Did you like this comic book? Yeah. No, I had a good time with this. I mean, unsurprisingly, but like comparing it to to that that i barely remember those movies might as well be cartoons they might as well be austin powers compared to this yeah well yes exactly this is a stark contrast where like it's grisly you know Mm -hmm. and it 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 shows x-rays of bullets tearing people's spines and skulls apart yeah it's got like fucking mortal Kombat fatality uh, cut out mm-hmm. cutoffs in here where it's, it's pretty fucking grisly and he looks just like archer like it's difficult for me to not just imagine like h john benjamin's voice i don't know if you noticed that the first victim has a spider tattoo 
the first dude Bond kills. He's a spider. I saw that. Spider, the... spider Jerusalem, Transmetropolitan. You know that comic oh, book good. we read. <sighs> is that really a reference I, to that? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I mean, Spider had a spider tattoo too, so I think that's what that is referencing. Um, for those clever boys who have understand, who've read other works in Warren Ellis's uh, incredibly oeuvre. 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 <laughs> no, it's brutal. This thing is brutal as hell. It it starts off with him chopping a guy's fingers off with a shovel and then, like, just shooting him point blank in the head. Mm-hmm. It's gruesome. He does that a lot. There is... Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he he kills the shit out of people. He He's he's exactly like Brock Sampson from the fucking Venture Brothers. Like, tonally, he's exactly that kind of fucking murder monster, you know? Mm-hmm. All he's interested in is is killing people and fucking women. Yeah, there's it is it is there is not a lot of like there's a little bit of insight into James Bond the person in this. Like the whatever is left of the man inside of him somewhere. Uh they don't really like I wisely, like Warren Ellis says doing twelve issues of this, he is not gonna be able to like tackle like some deep character story with james bond he just creates two fun plots for bond to operate inside of two mysteries that he can reveal and then solve mostly with bullets largely he uses bullets to solve these mysteries um he's very good at that though Mm -hmm. he's very good at using bullets to do anything he could possibly need he's also good at killing people with other things true basically anything yes and i think like this is in a lot of ways this is competency porn people Mm. people use that to describe the martian Mm -hmm. and that's what this is it's just it's violence it's just like oh he's competent in violence so that's how he and it's like and and it's everyone is very competent at their jobs like even the villains are like very good at also brutally murdering people uh Mm. to a certain extent um and the and the villains are i think you know it's the bond villains it's a trope for a reason they're all weirdos who have somehow inexplicably risen to power so you have the uh the geneticist the the guy who makes robot arms and stuff as the or big big bad who has a couple of robot armed henchman or the dude who doesn't feel anything he doesn't feel pleasure he almost gets there at when he kills people though he wants to make it hurt it's something apparently mm-hmm. but then you also you so you have the 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 evil scientist guy and then you have the, those and those are kind of like the two big bond villain tropes i feel like they are mad scientist or uh partner or team like uh, another soldier another spy who has turned a betrayer i feel like those are the two big with a bullet point villain types in bond movies bond stories so it makes sense that ellis goes after those two tropes although they do he turns things on their head a little bit i think uh from time to time subverts your expectations i certainly didn't expect bond to convince the man to cut his own throat 
at the end of the second arc. That surprised me. It's a it's an interesting and very very um, Ellis kind of ending. As he writes these things where the stakes and the you know the big bad or whoever like whatever's happening like it's so big a lot of times that it seems impossible and then there's some solution like that that's just like whoosh, you know. I have I have always enjoyed that about the way he writes. It's definitely not a not a criticism. No, I mean I think frankly like this is the like he you know in his Ellis in his newsletter and stuff he talks a lot about about uh writers with who have honed their craft down to dialogue and action and there's nothing else. There's no anything else in their stories there is dialogue and action and that is what this story is it is dialogue and action and it feels extraordinarily measured mm. and i mean and i mean that with the highest compliment because that's it just feels like uh the economy of violence and movement is balanced really well with dialogue and uh you know breaking down the mysteries the yeah. the 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 character moments as well like it feels like they are it feels like this was measured out with like uh like a like like a a, a scale like ellis mm-hmm. is like all right we need okay 18 panels that do this thing then we're gonna do yeah. four panels and then I'll split them across six pages. Okay, artist, can you do that? I, I, so that's a that's a thing that I always I do find remarkable, and I think this is a good illustration of that. Um, that was a thing that kind of okay. So Justin Jordan said that based on the amount of scenes that you can put in a comic, a trade is about equivalent to one. 30 minute sitcom episode it is about that much storytelling it's it's roughly equivalent each of these trades does not feel like like one episode of a television show it feels like a short film and i feel like that's pretty remarkable because they don't feel very dense in terms of there's a lot to read but the amount of information that they communicate is it's a lot there's a lot of plot points there's a lot of great action scenes there's character and stakes and all these things come across like there there's a lot of it and they come across very quickly and there's twists and turns and all this stuff it's surprising that it is both dense and not like it's not like reading the transformers comics where there's ten thousand words on every page no, it's it. It's when you th- th- slow down and think about it, and and look at how these how these books are constructed. It just you know I love Warren Ellis. He's my favorite writer, at least solely a writer. Um, I don't know Daniel Warren Johnson is he's pushing Eric. He's he's pushing to take over number one status. Dude's dude's pretty good. Uh, but I love Warren Ellis. 
I read his newsletter every week. I re- I've read his novels. I've, I've everything I from him I love, even the weird ass stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and, I, and part of the reason I like him so much is because he's so calculated about it. He he he's still learning his craft. He's still trying to get better, even in his fifties. And I don't know. His newsletter today was kind of a bummer, but outside of that, it's it's uh uh. He's very good at writing comic books, even though, and he still does it or wants to do it, even though he is now creating television shows and does not need to write comic books anymore. <laughs> he he makes television shows. He, they are paying him much more money than a comic book is going to pay him, and yet he still does it. Um, but just this is just a James Bond's. It's a couple James Bond stories. They don't. They are not. You know. They they hired him. This is relaunching. This is, I guess, not relaunching. Launching, uh, Dynamite launching this this their their this bonds the bond license. You know, they bought the bond license for Ian Fleming's Bond, and they had well they had, and it seems like that's the thing Warren Ellis does a lot of the time is just like some company goes, who's a good mercenary we can bring in to kick off our Bond stories or or whatever they are. Like he did it with Marvel. He. They they just said, hey, here's Moon Knight. Write six issues of Moon Knight and get everyone excited about Moon Knight. And this is what this is for. The same thing for this is like write two Bonds, write 12 issues of Bond, get people excited about our Bond comic books. And when you're done, hopefully they some of them will continue on, carry on and buy our Bond comic books because they realize they have an appetite for them. And Ellis writes these with this incredibly high high bar of craftsmanship and professionalism when he doesn't need to necessarily he just goes well i'm going to tackle this i'm going to make these i'm going to i'm going to hone these stories to a razor's edge cuz that's what these feel like they they feel like these two store two concise compact stories like you said that are somehow dense and not dense at the same time doesn't make any sense like you can read some of these pages in like the span of eight seconds because it's just like, oh, look, it's Bond chopping off a guy's fingers with a shovel. You know, it's it's not a lot of a lot of necessarily a lot of stuff happening, but it feels like it's communicating more than it is. And it feels it feels very cinematic at times, which I think is on purpose, uh, especially with a property like James Bond, where most the vast majority of people know it from the movies, not from the novels. And. It feels like, like you said, it feels like a film. It doesn't feel like a television show. It doesn't feel like I'm, I'm catching, I'm getting thirty minutes of an arc of thirty minutes of a, of a, I'm not watching an episode of television. I am seeing a film, and I, I don't know how. Like, how, it, I think it, it, the simplicity sometimes of this it belies the ability put into it, the skill needed to execute it as well as it is done. Um. I mean, I like Jason Masher's work in this. It's very good. I think the I, I I like the art. I like the the character designs are very varied, considering mm. how many goddamn people are in these books. There's a lot of them. He definitely does a good job of differentiating a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I largely that's like considering the size of the cast, and sometimes there's like six or seven people in a room, and you're trying to figure out who's who and trying to track and keep track of all this action happening like there's multiple scenes where bond is fighting a group of men 
and you see him take out this one, this one, this one, and try and, you know, it does a really good job of storytelling, of of keeping track of where all these people are and making sense spatially following along. I never get lost knowing, I don't know, whoa, where is Bond? Where is Bond? What's happening? Why is he suddenly by this train track? You go, oh no, that makes sense. He's following, you know, even though the your alignment spatially may change from panel to panel, you can clearly follow the track. And considering the amount of action is in this, it does a very good job of keeping the action coherent, which is not easy. Even, even as a person who writes novels, it can be very difficult to keep action coherent when mul- there's multiple people acting. You trying to explain that to your reader and to show it to your reader is 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 can be hard um and the action scenes are really good they're like we said earlier very violent but i think that's just as much a part of the story as anything how violent this world is it's a gruesome gruesome place a gruesome stuff happening these are not nice people none of them they're all murderers killers do you like these people eric that's a question i don't know i find them all compelling right um, and I don't dislike them, even though I find them kind of abhorrent. They, they, it's like they do kind of have their save the cat moments or whatever, you know, to where I can invest enough that I don't just feel just mired and gross to have to spend time with them. I don't know. It's interesting because I think by any standard, like I should hate all these characters or many of them. I should just find them disgusting and terrible. But I don't know. Like I like reading about this bond. I would I would read a lot of these that Ellis wrote. Well, like if he if he wrote more, I would read them. I have some bad news like, for I, you. I know. <laughs> I I liked I liked this way more than I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to be mostly indifferent to it. I thought these kicked ass. You know, I, it's hard for me to say because normally, like, I don't want to be like, I have to like all the characters, but like, in general, like, I, it's hard for me to enjoy my time with something if I'm reading about just gross, awful people. If I don't, they can, I guess they can be gross and awful, but I have to like and identify with them at least a little bit or find them compelling. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where I'm at here. I don't know. Well, I mean, they have. There's a very much a Frank Castle element to a lot of these people, where they're they believe in their cause, mm. even though that you... definitely there's there's definitely versions of the Punisher that I dislike entirely. Yes, but I mean, I think that Ellis wisely. There, that's another thing I wanted to talk about was in regards to there's no racism in all of this, which is you know you can just throw that in the garbage. You don't need to. But, yeah. Uh, I think that but, it doesn't need to be anyone's character now. No, but it's the the it's a really interesting thing how Ellis carries over the Playboy part of Bond's personality. Mm. It's it's essential, I would say. Like if you don't include his horniness, his predile- his likes his want to fuck every woman on earth apparently. Um you know, it, it, that's, I think that's a very, a, I think a 
irrecognizable part of the Bond trope, of that what he is. If you don't include it in some way, people are going to not recognize this as Bond anymore. And Ellis's solution, largely, is keep Bond the same, largely. He hits on every woman he sees. Uh, he's very he's smart and he's suave. Um, he just made it so that all the women are are also hyper competent in all of the things they do, and they are also all extremely horny, just like James Bond. I mean, it's, it's not a bad world. No, I'm not complaining. I think it's a great solution. It's very elegant. It's you keep you keep the part of Bond that is very recognizable. Uh, don't make him um, terrible sexist anymore. He just hits on, he flirts with people. He flirts with women. It's fine. And they flirt back. They like Bond. They love him even in some cases. They, they're like, yeah, I'm, I, we, I also had a very stressful day. I was trying to, I, someone tried to kill me three times. Let's have sex. That, that would be, I, I need some stress relief right now. Even though your whiskey tastes bad. I mean, who can, who can resist a, a call to arms like that. I need some stress relief. I don't know. It's un- it makes like, you feel so sexy. Well, Ooh. I mean, there's a that is what like that has long been the 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 read like the way to con- recontextualize all the old Bond movies and how they were just like oh yeah uh, Bond just runs and walks around drinks a lot and fucks everyone and it's very much well to contextualize that and make it make sense today. It's very much well like. He lives a terrible life. He has mm. no family, no real friends. They could all he can't he can't because if he made friends or family, they would die. They would be killed by all the people he's made enemies with. And so to survive this, he copes with by drinking a lot and having a lot of sex. Those are crutches, you know. And this book, the com- this comic doesn't really delve into that. There's a couple of little moments where they kind of hint at it. I think someone comments that Bond looks like he is incapable of having an honest, like, literally smiling. Like, he smiles, but it's not his actual smile and that he doesn't know how to do that anymore. Which is, a li- like, there's little, there's little tinges of like, oh, that's sad. That's like a sad life this guy leads. This is all he does. He just goes around and kills people. And that's another Frank Castle comparison. It's very much like Frank Castle's life is miserable. So is James Bond. Like, yeah, he's like this playboy and he he runs around, does spy stuff and does good, quote unquote, for the world. Kills bad guys. But like, this is all his life is. Just getting punched Mm. in the getting punched in the face a bunch by by guys, by big guys who are angry. So have you read any of these books? Is this actually an undercurrent? I imagine it is not. No, uh, no, not much not undercurrent in those books. No, the Ian Fleming books are mostly not. Yeah, mostly. I can't imagine them being that that self aware to where like basically the story you're telling is like, oh fuck the patriarchy. This everyone wants to be this Uberman, but really he's really sad and is is being promiscuous uh, because he doesn't have any love in his life. Like, I, I, I feel like th- that is a compelling, interesting story and character, but I can't imagine I can't imagine these books uh, really tackling that. I, I, I mean, I could see Warren Ellis, someone with with intelligence and subtlety, 
um, telling that story or kind of as you're describing it being an undercurrent. But I think it's interesting because I don't know. He's he's one of those one of those models. Everyone's like, I want to be cool like James Bond. I want to bang a bunch of chicks like James Bond. And and no, he just he he's miserable. He can't have friends or family. It's interesting. I mean, that's in no, the, the no, the Ian Fleming novels largely. I've read bits and pieces. I've never read an entire one because I couldn't <laughs> literally. I was like, I can't do this. I don't like this that much. Um, the 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 Daniel Craig movies have broached it a little bit. They've certainly mm-hmm. added they've added a lot of de- more depth to that to that character than was there before before any of the other films. But it's burdened by the same thing that this book is burdened by and why you're not really ever going to completely tell that story. I don't think is largely they still have to be action stories. They have to be full of this violence and this mystery of a, a supervillain and bond hunting them down and stopping them. And the audience necessarily for a james bond movie is not necessarily the same audience that wants to see a story of this sad broken man that is a spy who also who doesn't have family or friends and you know drinks and fucks his way away from to try and avoid depression like that's you those stories are not necessarily going to overlap a lot of the time you can only kind of hint at it which this does a couple times not oh not it's all very subtle not very overt um, and largely the ones at the, especially in the older films, Sean Connery, Roger Moore stuff, those movies aren't doing that at all. They don't care. There's no, not even a moment of doubt in Sean Connery's James Bond. He's just like, no, I am suave. I am cool. I enjoy every moment of this. You know, there's no, there's no depth there, but it is, that is what people have gone back and recontextualized to make those make more sense, make them make sense when like as actual, like as a James Bond, as an actual character, you know, and there's all, there's a lot of lore built around James Bond about, you know, there's been many James Bond because it's not that, you know, that Sean Connery and Roger Moore are actually the same guy. They just had different actors play him. They largely say, no, James Bond has died many times. They just get a new guy in. He t- he takes over the 007 number, and now he is James Bond. He takes the name, too. That's his alias. And they talk about it a little bit at the very beginning of the first story about 008. Yeah, we're going to get a new 008 in. And there have been... There's a multi- golden eyes about an old 006 who they think dies and comes back to fight Bond. And like, that's what all these, like James Bond is not, this is not the first or last Bond. There will be more Bonds. You know, they're disposable. Was that a Kieran Gillen story that we read? How how long ago was that? Not very long it ago. It was like the first, it was the, the first issue of, uh, yeah, the, of the metaphysical. Like the meta. Yeah. But there, there's like they're they're starting to like rip apart the bond tropes, but then the mm-hmm. then coronavirus happened, and now there's well maybe we'll see the rest of that story. I'm curious about it, especially now that I've after read it, after I've read this, I kind of really want to see what Karen Gillen's weird was it Karen Gillen? I don't remember. I, I remember it being Karen Gillen, but I just might be thinking about I might I might just be thinking about Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Yeah, it those all those things get mixed up in my head too. Um, I don't know. 
it's this is very it's a very it's i don't know i hesitate to call it fun it's compelling like you said it's a really good it's a good story it is a good mystery like a good spy mystery where you're like okay who's in it's compelling it makes sense the pieces line up the logistically it makes sense you want to see james bond succeed you like him enough to want him see him win is he a good guy no because no one who has that job could be a good person good people don't shoot people point blank in the head over and over again but that also the story is not really concerned itself about that at least not yet maybe there will be a bond comic that does that or bond story that does that directly talks about how bad james bond is how bad of a person he is and they talk about that a lot but then it's that cognitive dissonance where the movie also has to end with a triumphant moment of james bond winning which kind of nullifies everything um i think the first daniel craig movie kind of played off that a little bit because he kind of loses at the end of the first movie he wins and loses at the same time you'd like the daniel craig movies eric i'll say that i do like daniel craig he's he's good at it he's good at that mm-hmm. that role um and, the, and they are more self-aware certainly more than any of the previous films um anything you want to add anything we haven't talked about can't think of anything these were good yeah hell yeah they were you should read them guys if you haven't read them yet Total buy on Warren Ellis. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised, surprised. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, next week, not next week, two weeks' time, our next episode, we will be discussing Gotham Academy, Volumes 1 through 3. Uh, that was a book that we've we read a lot back in the day, uh, the era of DC that we like so much that has mm-hmm. mostly gone away. We'll probably talk, yeah. about, probably talk about that a little bit, at least. Um, but Gotham Academy was always a fun story. And we're going to read the entirety of the first three volumes of the first, the f- not second semester, just the first three original Gotham Academies. I'm going to, I'm amped to get to dig back into some Gotham Academy. It was always a fun book. Very pleasant, very beautiful. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Um, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Our Twitter is at HBC Hour. or on Facebook, Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can email us, handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Whatever podcast service you use, give us a rating, subscribe, tell your friends. All those things add up, help out the show, help us find new listeners. We really appreciate it. You can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Darman, and you can go to my website, which is RobbieDarman.com. It has links to my other podcasts, uh, links to subscribe to my newsletter, and links to buy my novels my newest novel the split circle a horror mystery set in a small eastern european town exiled american must investigate a soccer death cult he must face the split circle you can read for free with kindle unlimited eric where can they find you and your things online that was an excellent pitch i really want to go read that novel now um you can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com and you can see most of the things i get up to Online at ericzgoodnight.com. That includes Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, where I'm known on all services as Easy Goodnight. And with that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.